0: Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. We're happy to have you with us on this Sunday morning. It is March. It is National Women's History Month, and so we're talking to probably one of Denver's most famous women, or about one of Denver's most famous women, and that is Molly Brown and the Molly Brown House, and the Molly Brown House Museum Director, Andrea Malcolm, is here with us today. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. So let's talk about who Molly Brown was and why she has been so instrumental in women's
1: history, not just here in Denver. Of course. So uh, we mostly know her as Molly Brown, but we're working to change that because she was really Margaret Tobin Brown. Uh, Molly was a nickname given to her after her death. Um, So Margaret Brown was this amazing woman who in her time uh, looked around and saw lots of inequities, lots of things that needed to be changed to make our world just a more equitable and fair place for everyone. Mm-hmm. So she was a part of the women's suffrage movement, helping women gain the right to vote. Fun fact, here in Colorado, women had the right to vote starting in 1893, uh, but that did not extend to the rest of the country until the passage of the 19th Amendment in 1920. So Margaret really wanted to help women and children. Uh, she was part of the Denver Juvenile Court System, uh, being a primary fundraiser for Judge Ben Lindsay. Uh, she spoke out in the in the wake of labor unrest in Southern Colorado with a, uh, coal strikes at Ludlow. So she really just wanted to make Colorado a better place and by extension, the world a better place. So really just how do we speak up for those around us who need a little help? Right.
0: And I absolutely love that and love that that is her legacy. And I think it's interesting because I think a lot of women are going to say, I did not realize women had the right to vote so many years earlier here in Colorado than we did in the country
1: exactly, and we should sort of make sure we uphold that democracy every day when we go vote and when we speak up ourselves. So we have a great legacy and something to be proud of here in Colorado.
0: Yeah, we really do. What was her history like? I mean, where did she get this kind of spunk and this and this, you know, this heart for other people?
1: Well, we like to attribute some of it to her upbringing. She was born of um, Irish immigrants who came to the uh, United States in the wake of the Irish famine, um, looking for a life that wasn't so. Subsistence farming, Um, and so they made their way across the U.S. She was born in Hannibal, Missouri, right after the end of the Civil War. So she's born into this world that's already sort of changing and opening up and trying to become a more equitable place. And her parents were big believers in education as a way to uplift their children and ensure that they had the best lives they possibly could. So they went to school far beyond the number of years that were required for children at the time. Mm -hmm. And then Margaret just had. curiosity uh, for life and for travel and for adventure. Um, So when she met Mr. James Joseph Brown, who eventually discovered gold at the Little Johnny Mine up in Leadville, um, that really afforded her the privilege and the opportunity to explore the world, to learn about cultures, to learn five languages, you know, to really just feed her intelligence and her imagination, but then turn around and put it to work. I love that. I had no idea she spoke five languages. Yeah. And that really came in handy when she was, of course, found herself on the Titanic in 1912 and, of course, the ship's, strikes an iceberg. She winds up um, in a lifeboat and then on the Carpathia, the rescue ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's able to use those language skills to really comfort and console, you know, so many of the women from the third class who had just lost their husbands, right. their families. You know, they're devastated. They were coming to the United States to start a new life. And here they've already been knocked down. So she really put those language skills to use and made sure that they were set out as best as they could once they got to New York.
0: What are some uh- of the stories or things that you have read that she wrote about being on the Titanic?
1: Uh, Some of the most notable things that she wrote about that really sort of strike strike me emotionally was, you know, once they were on the lifeboats and on the, you know, frigid cold water and the ship had had just gone under something it was never supposed to do. You know, she really recalls this sort of moment where you're in shock. You don't know what's just happened, but she remembers looking out across the water as the sun was rising and just that cold light on the water and, Mm. you know, reflecting off of the ice floating around. And just sort of in that moment, trying to be present again and really come to terms with what had just happened. And when you read her words, you are instantly transported into the lifeboat with her and you feel a sense of chill, just, you know, how she so describes this moment that she found herself in. But then of course that moment passes and she, you know, talks about how, you know, she had so much work to do to help Mm -hmm. all of those other people on the ship.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I love that she used her languages for that. What are some of your other favorite stories about Molly Brown and how she helped women?
1: Um, I think, you know, later in her life, um, she, you know, Women had achieved the right to vote. You know, so many things, you know, the rights that we, you know, benefit from today were starting to come online or had come online. So she took that moment to sort of, you know, what can I do that interests me personally? So she took up dancing and singing and acting and playing guitar and zither and she was living in New York City, but she was still helping young women. She lived at the Barbizon Hotel in New York City, which was a brand new high rise by the park. And she really wanted to make sure that uh, the young women who lived in That building were set out on a new life where they were working in secretarial pools, learning how to type, sort of becoming that modern woman or the woman we think of, you know, today. Right. Um, So she, even in the last, you know, days, months, years of her life, she was still making sure that women were lifted up.
0: Now, did she pass away in New York or was it out here in Colorado? Like, where does the New York and Colorado connection, connection happen?
1: Yeah. So she actually did pass away in New York City in 1932, right at the Barbizon Hotel in in her bed in her sleep, Um, She said she would rather make a snap out than a fade out of life, meaning she would rather stay busy and active and, you know, having a full life right up until the very end. So we think that's what she accomplished. But she had been in New York City because, you know, what an amazing place to live in the late 20s, early 1930s. Um, She had been living in Newport, Rhode Island for a while to be part of the women's suffrage movement in that national push to get women the right to vote. And also her daughter, Helen, had settled in New York after getting married, so she it put her close to her daughter, um, and allowed her, you know, all of the great amenities of New York City. So she herself is buried there, right alongside her husband JJ, actually. Okay. Because JJ was feeling ill in the in 1922, daughter Helen came out west. Got him, took him back home, and he passed away near her home in New York. So they're oh, okay. both buried together, um, they're uh, side by side in Holyrood Cemetery. Oh
0: when did she leave Colorado? When did that voyage out east happen?
1: So starting in about 1910, she really sort of, you know, she had helped build St. Joseph's Hospital. She'd helped build the Cathedral of, you know, Immaculate Conception. She helped Judge Ben Lindsay, you know, build the the court system here in Denver for juveniles. So she thought, you know, kind of my work here is done. In Denver, Mm -hmm. and that you know, this larger world beckoned to her, and part of that was on the East Coast uh, with people like the Vanderbilts, the Guggenheims, the Astors, but really because that's where the big national push for women's voting was happening, you know, and then that provided easy access to Europe and her favorite place to visit, France. Um, And then, of course, easy way to get to places like India and China and Japan is she's exploring the world and then writing newspaper stories and and articles and journals about her experiences so so that people back here in Denver could, you know, sort of live through her eyes Mm -hmm. and experience these different cultures.
0: So she really had a love for travel and for knowing different people of different cultures.
1: She did. And that was expressed early on here in Denver in in raising money for the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. She had a carnival of of nations. So um, little pavilions set up to all the cultures that live here in Denver, from the Italians and the Irish to uh, the African-Americans to the indigenous peoples to the Asian-Americans that lived here in Denver. Each each ethnicity, each group of people had a special pavilion to showcase their culture, their food, their dance, their clothing. Um, so that really just, you know, that love of culture was very early on with Margaret. I love that. And tell me about the
0: museum, because there are a lot of people that are moving here and new Denver. Denver who've never been, and people who've lived there her whole life who've never been to the Molly Brown Museum.
1: Exactly. So we're a historic house museum on Capitol Hill, just two blocks from the State Capitol Building. Um, um, But we really like to mix it up and change it up quite a bit. So you get to come and walk through all of the rooms of Mr. and Mrs. Brown's home. But each time you come, you're going to learn something different about Mrs. Brown, her life, and the world she lived in, and how that shaped the world we live in today. Um, In fact, for Women's History Month, we have an exhibit that's opening this weekend that's done by um, elementary students at Eastridge Community Elementary School. They really dug into research onto the historical lives of several amazing Colorado women that we think everyone should know. Mm-hmm. So using art and STEM, the students really look into the lives of these great women. So we'll have that on exhibit for Women's History Month. Um, so lots of great things that we do to keep it fresh, um, keep you coming back. So it's well worth coming. Plus, we have a great slate of events that we do every year.
0: I was going to say, even if you've been once, going to the Molly Brown House Museum is definitely something you should do again. And... And tell me this, I know that the mansion is restored and it's large. How big is the Molly Brown House Museum?
1: So we have about 7,000 square feet to explore. So we have um, exhibits on gold mining. We have, you know, winding your way through the house, either self-exploration with an audio guide or you can also also purchase tickets to one of our guided tours with one of our um, amazing volunteer tour guides. who are so passionate about telling the story of Mrs. Brown and about the house. So lots of different ways to explore. Um, and then coming across different things depending on what exhibits we have going in the house. So um, restored back to the way it looked when Mrs. Brown lived here, thanks to photographs that were found in different archives and collections. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really get a sense of what it was like, you know, when Mrs. Brown lived here from, you know, her vote, you know, votes for women. sashes laying on the bed to, you know, her china on the on the dining room table. Yeah. And I what
0: years was she living here in Denver at the home?
1: So they purchased this house in late 1893, moved in in 1894 and lived here full time until about 1910 and then started renting out the house. Um, and the, it stayed in the family until she passed away in 1932. And then after that, it became a boarding house for men, a boarding house for women and in fact, the Denver juvenile court system used it as a home for young girls in the late 1960s um, girls who just needed a hand, you know a helping hand yeah. um, to get on in life. so it's had the house has had lots of great amazing histories uh, beyond Margaret Brown's um, and we also love to share those histories When did it become actually the Molly Brown House Museum? So Art Lisenring owned the home in the 1960s. he operated as a home uh, a boarding house uh, for men so um, at that time time in the 1960s, that was sort of code for if you um, identify as LGBTQ, this was a safe place for a man to live. Mm. Um, Art himself was was gay and really wanted to create an environment on Capitol Hill that was safe. Um, So this house was a place where you could rent a room, um, and he knew, though, that um, when he went to sell it, that it was likely going to be torn down because Denver in the 1960s was undergoing immense urban renewal pressures where right. parking lots, buildings, everything getting torn down. So he was afraid that would happen, too. So he reached out to the community and people stepped up, people we know today, like um, Governor Ann Love or, you know, Governor yeah. Love's wife, Ann, um, and Dana Crawford, who's still, uh, you know, a force in the preservation movement here in Denver. So they stepped forward, saved the house from demolition, and decided to turn it into a museum in 1970. So we've been going strong for 51 years. That's incredible. Well, I know, <clears throat> as we were talking about so many
0: different events coming up, what do you have coming up here for 2022?
1: Sure. So one of the upcoming events we have is Art on Pen. We have a series of events where we, we explore the art in the house, we look at it, we do an art project related to that piece of art, and that's led by one of our amazing art experts. Um, And then we have coming up a Titanic escape room. So you get to come to the museum, and then you have to solve clues and puzzles to make your way out before the ship sinks, hopefully. Oh my gosh, (laughs) Um, that sounds so fun. I know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we have a few tickets left. Uh, Gather a team together, gather some friends, and sign up. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And then coming up on April 15th and 16th, we're going to have an event called Titanic Stories. Thank you where you come to the museum, and you sort of work your way through the rooms, and you encounter a survivor from the Titanic, someone's story that you haven't heard before. Mm. So you can really get to know the people who went through that disaster, and you know, how it affected their ability to start a new life in this country. So we think there's going to be amazing stories to be told. And then of course, we have lots of other events throughout the year. And we always tell people go to mollybrown.org. And you should be able to find all of those wonderful events to be be able to sign up. Okay, great. And is that also where you buy tickets? Absolutely. So right on our homepage at mollybrown.org, you'll find all the links. Okay, and how much are tickets? So um, to visit the museum, tickets start at just $14, or thanks to the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, you can get free admission through SNAP and Library Passes.
0: Oh, okay. How exciting. All right. Well, the Molly Brown House Museum, if you've never been, you should definitely check it out. And the Molly Brown House Museum Director, Andrea Malcolm, thank you so much for your time this morning. We sure appreciate it a lot of fun to learn about her and all the different impacts that she's had across the country, not just Denver. Of course. Thank you so much. I'm Melissa Moore. Thank you for being here on this Sunday morning and joining me for Mile High Magazine. For more information, you can always go to the radio station's website or check out the Molly Brown House Museum online. And don't forget, you can always share this interview as a podcast on your social media. Go out, have a great Sunday, be blessed and be kind to everyone.